Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th. And Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Nina Novisky is the author of The Fortune Cookie Writer, as well as the novel A Mosaic of Grace. She's the proud mom of two teenagers, one of whom has profound autism, intellectual disability, and severe behavioral challenges. Prior to writing, she worked as a speech-language pathologist helping children with developmental disabilities improve their communication skills. She holds a master's degree in speech-language pathology from GW and a bachelor's degree in psychology from Emory. Her fascination with language and human behavior is lifelong and inspires her to create family dramas rich with emotion and steeped in real-world issues. Welcome, Nina. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the fortune cookie writer, a novel. Thank you. Thank you. So happy. (laughs) Okay. Nina, first of all, please tell everybody the plot, like what this book is about, and then how you came up with the idea for the story. And I want to talk about the approach of your deciding to write fiction versus memoir for different characters and the inspiration and just all the good stuff. 
That's a lot. That's a big question. (laughs) Okay, let's start with what the book's about. What's this book about? Okay, so sure. So the book opens and we meet Marissa. She has been blindsided by divorce and she's determined to support her young son. And she believes him to be musically gifted and he's burdened by a secret. Marissa's juggling three jobs, one of which is freelance fortune cookie writing. Which I loved. And, <laughs> and I love I love how each chapter has a different fortune at the top. And I love her going to the library and like researching the different fortune, like different quotes to adapt into fortune cookies, the whole thing. Well, that's my town library. And I went to oh that library. And yeah, so, so that is in fact very true. So that's taken from life. But Marissa is barely skating by with those three jobs. And so one day she bumps into a stranger in her building and that stranger offers to pay her cook to pay to cook dinners for Rose, who's an elderly widow who lives one floor down from her. And Marissa has doubts about this, but she really needs the cash. And so she accepts, but it turns out this is a far more difficult proposition than she expected. Rose is not a sweet old lady. She is cranky. She lapses into Yiddish and she really has no interest in visits from an unfamiliar neighbor. And so Marissa perseveres and she soon discovers clues about Rose's past. She finds an old piano that isn't used, but is still in tune. And she finds a lock case with an unbreakable code and three photos with an inscription. And so she solves these mini mysteries about Rose's life. She, I would say, she begins to see her present through the prism of Rose's past. And that allows her to see her son's anguish and it allows her to learn how to create good fortune for the three of them. I love it. I loved the image, by the way, of her trying to figure out the code to the lockbox. And then I was wondering, I'm like, did you then Google? <laughs> like, she's obviously trying to tell us like how to crack the code for a lockbox and, <laughs> and like how many combinations. And it was said you said something like after yeah. 700, 700 tries, I gave up. And I was like, what? Yeah, I Googled, you Google some really strange things when you're writing a book. And I also had to Google a lot of the scenes in Greece. And so I was looking for pictures. And then, of course, you want pictures from different angles. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up looking at TripAdvisor photos, and then TripAdvisor would not leave me alone. Kept saying, book your trip to Greece, book your trip to Greece. I was like, I'm not going, wish I was going. But um, so these are the things that happen to you when you're writing a novel. Did you base the the handsome ex-husband on somebody in particular? No, I did not. I mean, my my husband is handsome, but he is not based. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, who is this like Mediterranean guy with this? Anyway, I know, I'm like, also, let's talk about the son because I feel like Owen is a huge character in the book and everything from his ability to hear music and be able to recreate it to some of the behavioral things that start percolating. And as the mom in the book, Marissa is slowly realizing that things might have more, that these individual behaviors might be a part of a bigger piece. So talk a little bit about that. About the the character of Owen? Yeah, about the character of Owen. And I read that your article in Authority Magazine about your own son and how you've, your experience with your own son and his 
anyway, talk, just go, go there. Just go. Talk about sons in general. <laughs> just about sons in general. Or how did you decide to make Owen the character, starting with the tapping and the rituals at nighttime and as his behaviors sort of progress, also even how you deal with that with an ex-husband who you're not getting along with when a child starts having an issue, which you did such a good job. I mean, you're the, sorry, I'm like rambling here, but the way you depicted the ex-husband relationship and like the fury and I mean, it, it, and this, the, oh my gosh, it was so good. It was just so, so good from the dialogue to the inner monologue. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to Owen the Sun and, you know, and even how you depicted the realization and how parents pick up on these little things and when you know it's an issue versus when to ignore and all of that. So my older son has profound autism. And so, and what that means is he is on the severe end of the spectrum. Uh, He is also, he is minimally verbal. He also has, he's severely intellectually disabled and he will need 24 seven care the rest of his life. He also has challenging behaviors, which sounds like I'm not going to bed, but that's not what challenging behaviors means for autism. He can be self-injurious. He can be violent. There can be property destruction. He also has a host of medical, you know, concomitant medical conditions. That is what I wrote about in my first novel. And so that wasn't really going to work in this novel because it had to be Symptoms that Owen could hide for a while, and you really can't hide that. Mm -hmm. But what I could take it from it, which is my older son does have types of obsessive compulsive issues. Mm -hmm. And in autism, they're just called uh, repetitive behaviors. But the thing is, you don't really know what kids with autism are obsessing about because they can't tell you. So, you know, with kids who aren't autistic, they can tell you, uh, depending on how, how much language they have. But those symptoms are my son's symptoms. He does temperature test the floor. He does touch the walls. He does have all those symptoms. And it was interesting because when I was reading about how to write it for a child who does not have autism, what was said was they often, young children often explain it as, I just have to do it until it feels right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that is what my son would say to me if he had those words. Because You know, my husband, for example, once took him after he had, you know, cut his hand on a broken window and they were outside the ER. And at that point, he had an issue where he had to sit down the street, stand up, sit down the street, stand up. And they're in front of the ER and he's bleeding and ambulances had to get by. And he's sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. And he wouldn't stop. And there was no amount of cajoling that could get him out of there. They could promise him this. They could promise him that. They could explain that he couldn't be in the street. They could do anything, but he had to do it until it just felt right. There's something internal that has to happen. And so I can explain the symptoms very well. I've seen that. I've seen the broken walls. I've seen all of that. So that was very easy for me to explain in terms of how parents react to it and the, oh, now it all makes sense. That is also, I think, something that happens with parents independent of what the diagnosis is lots of times of, oh, that's right. That's what that means. Now I get it. I think that happens with parents a lot. Wow. That's a lot for you to manage, like with your son. I'm, I mean, how does it help? Have you been writing about it and does that help? How do you, have you, do you have a community of, of other people who have been going through something similar? Like, how does that so, you know, my 
And I don't mean to pry. We don't have to talk about that. No, no, no. No, that's what brought me into writing. So I was not the child who had a diary all the time and wrote stories and was constantly, you know, constantly writing and, you know, in my head. What happened was my older son at 11 became so self-injurious and so violent that we couldn't keep him safe and we couldn't keep the family safe. And so he needed to go to a residential school, which is a boarding school for kids with challenging behaviors and autism, severe autism. And it was the greatest blessing of our lives. It is an amazing place stuffed with wonderful people. But at that time, it felt like such a failure, such a failure. And we didn't know, you know, were we sending him to a place? What if he got abused? He would never be able to tell us. It was such a leap of faith. And so I began writing and I began sort of giving my problems to other people. And I didn't want to write it from my perspective. I think the wounds were too fresh. And just from a, also a, another perspective, I didn't really have a platform to <laughs> sell a memoir to. And so I gave my problems to someone very unlike me and told it from a grandfather's perspective and wrote a, a broad story from, in, you know, uh, families that were enmeshed over 30 years. And it, it helped me deal with issues. And then I was able to move on to writing another novel and found that I really liked it as a process. What was your first novel called? A Mosaic of Grace. Mosaic of Grace. Wow. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the cat in the hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. 
So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. I love how you've included the grandparent generation in both. Yeah. The elderly. I never noticed that. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) No, I love these feisty older characters. I don't know. I was so close with my own grandmother that I feel like when I read books and I reconnect with older women, she wasn't as as cranky as as Rose. And I don't think (laughs) kept a lot of secrets. Uh, She was like an open book. But if I handed her a lasagna and a tin thing, she might roll her eyes. And be like, all right, you what, you couldn't bring the glass or, you know, anyway. So no, I, and I don't know. I think about it like a movie, like how there aren't, are there enough roles for older women? It's almost the same in fiction, right? Are there enough? I love seeing strong roles of older people. Anyway, whatever. You did a good job is all I'm trying to say. Oh, thank you. I'm not doing a good job even saying it. (laughs) You also, and I don't know if this was another of your Google searches, but you seem to know what you're talking about with the piano. Do you play the piano? Are you a music person yourself or what? I do not know anything about the piano. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) You fooled me. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Google comes in very handy. I know what I'm talking about with Yiddish because uh, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors and I grew up with a lot of Yiddish. So I think that was part of wanting to sort of hear that again. My grandparents were not cranky, Um, like Rose is cranky, but I think I wanted to hear that again in my life, which is part of the character of Rose. But no, piano, I can't claim to know that. What was there? Can you share their story? I can. I I don't know it well. And I didn't know it well enough to write a whole novel about it. But I do know that when my grandmother and my grandfather got married on the last day that it was legal for Jews to get married, they were in Austria. And my grandmother ended up going to the Polish embassy because my grandfather was originally Polish. And they got a list of, I believe, the addresses of all the people whose last name was the same in New York and wrote and asked for visas. And they got three responses and two were for my grandfather to marry the daughter and leave my grandmother behind. And one was yes. And that incredibly kind man ended up sending visas for my entire extended family. And because of that, there are now second cousins and third cousins all here. And my mom's middle name is after him. Oh, that's amazing. It's a lovely story. Yeah. I had family in Austria. That's where my grandfather on one side came from. I feel like every, you know, it's like every country, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah, what happened. It was an exodus. Yeah. Well, tell me about the process of writing this book. How long did it take? Where did you, like, what's your, did you write in the town library? Do you actually have a coffee shop called Common Grounds? Because I love that. We actually have a coffee shop, but it's not called Common Grounds because I didn't, I didn't ask them in advance if I could use their name, but it is in that same spot. Um, And so, yeah, I made up the name for them, but that is how our town, our, um, the town 
common is laid out and the library isn't exactly in that direction from it. And I do use the library, but I do mostly write from home in the mornings. And how the process of, of writing works is I just like to write in the mornings mostly. And I'm not prolific. I don't crank a book out every six months. <laughs> I wish I could, but it takes me longer than that. And I don't know, this one I did write in, I do remember going to the library and thinking, I, I did write this one in more of a linear fashion. And I remember with my last book, there were more sort of episodic things that I needed to then construct and put together since it was more nonlinear. But this one came out in one strip, which was nice. Wow. And are you working on anything now? So my next one is, I don't, I'm thinking maybe not memoir, but a memoir hybrid, if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to return to autism, mm-hmm. profound autism, but I feel that it's not that I want to share my story. It's that I want to share, because I feel that it's not my story that's important. It's my story and the tapestry of stories that are related to it. So there is a school that my son could make it to, but those schools are very rare. So my story is intricately connected to the family who has a son just like mine, but there was no school to go to. And so their son was in and out of psych wards or the family who had to consider giving up parental rights to maybe get their son's services. Mm. It's intricately connected to the people who saw the need for a school, those amazing people, and started one, or the incredible direct service professionals who see the humanity in my child and work with him every day. And so I would love to make some small contribution towards changing public perception. That sounds so grandiose, but I think what is seen in the media is not reality. So I don't know if that's possible as a self-publisher, but that is the ideal, certainly. I think that's great. I think that's great. I can see, you know, it's, there's also something called autofiction. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but everybody keeps talking about it. (laughs) But I think it's like a blend to what you're talking about, a hybrid, but yours is more like nonfiction, almost like an expose of families. You could almost have it like well, anyway, it sounds really, it sounds poignant and interesting and, and a story that should be told. So <laughs> it's great. What's your favorite fortune cookie line from the book? Oh, I mean, so the final one, I can't remember all of them to be exact. Like uh, my actual fortune, the actual, I can't remember the actual fortunes, but I can tell you that the last fortune is the one that is the one that gives meaning to the whole book. And so the last fortune, which I think is roughly, if your neighbor's plate isn't full, the most delicious plum will taste like rotten fish. It's something to that extent. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the point of the book that this friendship that Marissa and Rose makes is what's necessary for them. Their friendship is what's necessary for them to move forward. So I don't know if that was the funniest one, but it was the one that was the crux of the book. Love it. Amazing. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I know you wrote five things that are like really important to have as part of this article I read, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I have one, well, I have one really quirky thing that I do, which I don't know if it will work for anyone else, but it's one weird thing I do that I don't know if it's just my mind, but it really works for me, which is 
whenever I can't figure something out in a book and I'm just really stuck, I stop working on it. And I think about it right before I'm going to bed. I just repeat what the problem is over and over and over again. And then when I wake up in the morning, sometime the problem is fixed. And I think it's just because you're conscious mind has too many no's in it, Mm. you know, and you have to go to the place where there can be a polka dot sky for the problem to be fixed. That's just might be a weird quirk of me, but in terms of just a regular piece of advice, I would say the rules of writing are the rules because, you know, there've been plenty of great people who have come before you, but sometimes they can be tweaked a little bit. I mean, I know the rules are don't use ad, don't use adverbs, but sometimes you need an adverb, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I would say. Amazing. Well, Nina, thank you. Thank you for your patience while we scheduled this from so long ago and that it finally arrived. I'm really glad I got to spend time with your book and your characters and you know the this little family and also to be so amused by the ex-husband divorce angle, which we didn't talk enough about, but was like so awesome for anybody who's going through a divorce or has been through a divorce. And I have been through a divorce, so I'm not going to comment on my own relationship, but (laughs) all to say this is, uh, it was, it was great to see it in fiction, the way some of the challenges present themselves. Oh, well, it was so lovely to speak with you. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's something I haven't experienced. And so I'm glad to hear you and to have heard some of my friends say that it was displayed authentically. That's yes. a wonderful, a wonderful compliment. So I was you. sure you were divorced. I was like, oh, she must have gone through that. I'm like, she's <laughs> processing all this stuff. Blah, blah. And you're like, no, I'm happily married. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that comment. Next time, I feel like your dedication should have been to your Google searches or whatever it is that made you so knowledgeable on all these things. Uh, Thank you, Google. Yes. Thank you, Google. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot, Nina. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.